That doesn't matter. I was still full and I oh, still, I still kept still eating. I still was like, it's so good. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm regretting it now, but it was so delicious. All right, raise your hand if your favorite, if you had a pecan pie. Pecan pie? Who has, who loves pecans in it? You can't hear me. Can you turn it up? All right, I'll turn it up a little bit. Who, how many of the choir had pecan pie for, is that your favorite pecan? What about chocolate chess? Who had chocolate chess? Okay, I did not have that. What about um, pumpkin? Pumpkin, favorite? Yeah. Okay. What? Pecan. I meant that was the first one because that's my favorite. Did you have pecan? No. You had pecan. That's what I said. I said pecan. And that what I said pecan pie. Pecans, pecan. Yeah, I did not say pecan, or did I not? not? You said pecan first, and when I said pecan. Oh my gosh, all right. Tomato, tomato, all right. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Can y'all? Um, no, testing? Can't hear anything? Not magnified. I don't even see what speakers are supposed to be that direction. Up here in the corner, up where you're standing. But that's not pointing toward them. That's pointing away from them. Oh, those little ones. I see them now. That's weird. You found the USB. Oh, they already had it. Okay. We don't know what those speakers aren't. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad we have a very expensive soundboard without anything hooked up. <laughs> we'll get it figured out, choir. I'm sorry. Um, several announcements. Um, this Friday, November 30th, is Faith, Family, and Friends. All right, so that's at 6.30. Um, it's a potluck, like it usually is, and we're going to be doing some games and some things related to Advent, because Advent starts next Sunday. Next Sunday, Advent, I know. Whew, just breathe into that. So um, invite everyone to come, um, and it's going to be, it's always fun. So we're going we're gonna to start that. If you can come a little early, um, Hanover Hall has not been flooding, but we're worried about the tiles and stuff. So we've um, preliminary just talked about maybe setting up tables and eating in here, not in here, but like in the narthex. Um, it's just so people don't have to go up and down, and um, we're going to be doing Advent crafts and pulling out Advent decorations and starting with that. So, you know, anyway, if, yeah, so um, December 1st, the morning of December 1st, we're actually going to um, do the bulk of our Advent decorating. So um, if you love to put up a Christmas tree, and a Christmas tree that's, you know, 15 feet tall, and you are tall and strong and want to come, and <laughs> y'all want to come and help us, that would be awesome. Um, anyone? Anyone? <laughs> and we know we're going to have donuts and fun things to do. Anyway, so um, that's the sad next Saturday, December 1st, starting at 9 in the morning, and we keep going until it's done. 
However, I'm actually going to leave a little early because I will be preaching. We're doing a pulpit swap next weekend uh, with 7th Street Christian Church and Temple Bethel. And so at 10, at 11.30, I will be, a little before then, I'll be headed over to Temple Bethel right down the street on Grove Avenue and preaching um, at the Jewish synagogue. Um, so... I'm excited. Um, and then Sunday morning, um, I will, we're, we're, again, we're swapping. I'll be here next Sunday morning. But as you can read, um, Rabbi Michael Knopf is um, going to be preaching here. Um, and we have a similar theme when we were sitting down and talking about, um, you know, what is, what are both of our congregations um, maybe dealing with and asking questions about? And it was about making um, our faith relevant in the 21st century um, and recognizing that both of our congregations were holding very similar questions and very similar concerns. And so um, he's going to be speaking a bit about that. But it also is the first day of Advent, and who better to talk about um, the Messiah than um, a Jewish rabbi. So it actually can make a lot, makes a lot of sense. So it should be a lot of fun, and we will welcome Rabbi Knopf next Sunday. So um, also following the service, immediately following the service is a congregational meeting. Um, that email should have been sent out to you this week, or you may have received a letter. Um, there's also those documents um, printed out here in the welcome station, so if you want to print up, uh, pick up a copy of those items, you can do so. Um, also important is the poinsettia form. You can fill this out and attach a check and drop it in the offering plate if you want to um, have a poinsettia in honor of someone or in remembrance of someone for Christmas. Um, so we'll be taking these orders. Um, the first, I mean, we says tomorrow um, we will continue to order poinsettias and stuff like that. So, but go ahead and get it done. Kind of like your Christmas shopping. Just get it out of the way. And I think we have a, an announcement from Jeff. All right. With that said, let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
Good morning. I invite you to stand as you are able and join me in the call to worship. God loves us and freed us from sin. God called to us, called us to serve and worship. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. We are part of the reign of God. Please join me in singing the opening hymn, This Is My Father's World. It's number 59 in the chalice hymnal. Please join me in the confession. Holy, 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 we come to you confessing that we have tried to close off your reign. We have put up walls to keep others out. We wanted to keep out those who looked different than us. Jesus, our Savior, you continue to break down the walls we build up. You continue to open doors where we think the gates are locked shut.
In the name of our Savior, Redeemer, and Friend, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus lays down his life for us. Jesus calls out to us and we hear his voice. There is one flock, one shepherd who calls to us and we are part of that flock forever. When you are lost, the good shepherd looks for you and will not stop until he has found you. You are forgiven, you are loved, amen. At peace with God, let us now offer the peace of Christ to one another. Please be seated. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> our, our first reading this morning comes from Psalm 93. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He has established the world. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. 
The floods lift up their roaring, more majestic than the thunders of mighty waters, more majestic than the waves of the sea. Majestic on high is the Lord. Your decrees are very sure. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. The word of the Lord. hear me if I stand right here I'll preach just to y'all but they've got speakers okay I'm grabbing my I don't um I don't feel a hundred percent today all that talk and elders meeting we talked about the importance of us drinking water of all ages And I have some friends visiting from North Carolina, so if you want to know secrets about me, (laughs) these people know most of them. (laughs) Our second scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37, and I invite you to actively listen or to follow along in your pew Bibles. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. The word of the Lord. What makes a king? What makes a king? Power? Wealth, a big house, control over land, a crown. Someone that makes important decisions. What makes a king? Today happens to be Christ the King Sunday, sometimes celebrated among churches, Protestant churches, more so now than in the past. It symbolizes the last Sunday of the liturgical calendar. Next week is the beginning of Advent, 
We should just let that sink in. Christmas is coming. Oh my gosh. It's almost 2019. So next week starts the beginning of a new liturgical year. But today is also a day that we acknowledge who Jesus is and those of us who are Christians pledge to follow him. So what kind of king are we following? Our scripture today, we find Jesus on trial. He has been arrested by soldiers and chief priests. And prior to standing on trial before Pilate, Jesus is questioned by the high priests who have already determined that Jesus is a criminal and desire that he must die at Roman hands. And now he stands before Pilate. If Jesus is to die a Roman death, then he must be a revolutionary. And Pilate questions Jesus to determine if he is one. Are you the king of the Jews, Pilate asks? What have you done that the chief priests handed you over to me? And Jesus answers that his kingdom rests on making God known in the world, bearing witness to the truth, and gathering those who listen to the truth to his kingdom. Jesus really has done nothing wrong. But Jesus becomes a scapegoat. The practice of scapegoating is older than old. We hear stories in Greek mythology and we see it in the Old Testament. During Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the Israelites used two goats to symbolize their sins. One was sacrificed to appease God while the second was slain to pacify Azel, an evil spirit. In the act of religious symbolism, a priest conveyed the sins of the Israelites to the goat, and then the unlucky goat was tossed off the cliff. But beyond tossing goats off cliffs, we know this method, do we not? We identify a person or group and named them bad. Adam blamed Eve. Hitler blamed Jews. Yoko Ono was blamed for the breaking up of the Beatles. When something bad happens, it's always someone else's fault. Such is the life of the scapegoat. 
The great Chicago fire of 1871 was reportedly started when Catherine O'Leary was milking her cow, which then knocked over a lantern. And although the Chicago Tribune admitted to making the entire story up, Catherine O'Leary was accosted for her hazardous milking for the rest of her life. This case of scapegoating was most likely a dig at Irish immigrants who were believed to be careless drunks and prone to accidents such as these. For centuries, scapegoating has been one of the most effective tools humans have used to unite people. The scapegoat, the one bringing upheaval to our society, negatively impacting our ways or ruining a way forward. They are people of color or Muslims, or gays, or immigrants, or the poor taking advantage of our system. They are the media creating fake news, or that other political party responsible for our economic downturn. And the solution? Identify them, and get rid of them, before something else terrible happens. And in many cases, we do. For centuries, scapegoating has been used to justify murder and war and genocide. And a society may experience peace and redemption for a short while, but really it's just the cycle beginning all over again. Some sociologists and anthropologists would say that we are conditioned to the scapegoat mechanism. They are, we are predisposed to anything that moves the attention off <clears throat> the very thing that needs to be addressed. The scapegoat helps move the attention off ourselves and the work that we have to do, often connected to our ego. The scapegoat mechanism simplifies a problem by demonizing a third party. It perpetuates complacency. And it absorbs our violent tendencies. Getting rid of Jesus has joined the Sadducees and the Pharisees in a common cause. All of their differences evaporate in their bloodlust, their blind desire to hold on to power by any means necessary, including lying and collaborating with the, the Romans and murder. The religious authorities are willing to stoop to idolatry in order to preserve a false peace, the sort that allows them to hold on to their power in exchange for colluding with the Romans in their oppression of the people. And so they turn to the oldest trick in the book, the scapegoat mechanism. That is the strategy of blaming an innocent victim 
for the ills of the community and offering up that victim as a sacrifice, thereby restoring that false sense of peace that they so crave. Jesus is that scapegoat. This Christ the King Sunday speaks directly to the problem of violence and political power. A problem that has plagued society from its beginnings to the age of terrorism we are living through today. The Gospel of John portrays Jesus as the true king of the Jews who puts up no resistance to the violence of scapegoating that is being perpetrated against him. And Jesus tells Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? In refusing to fight against his own people's betrayal of him to the Romans, Jesus takes away the power of that violence and offers something much more powerful in its place. The promise of forgiveness. When we recognize that Jesus offers us a different path, we are freed to reject the violence of scapegoating that is all around us, that pervades our own culture and our politics and even the church itself. But will we? Do we? Do we recognize that Jesus offers us a different path? A path that allows us to reject violence? To reject the myth of the scapegoat? Jesus was the scapegoat. And those who could stop it stayed silent because of their fear. So we have Judas who betrayed him and Peter who denies him and Pilate who voiced concern but ultimately was complacent and his own tribe that yelled crucify him. And for real fear, the fear of getting in trouble, the fear of isolation, the fear of rendering them unable to take care of their family, even fear of death. Oftentimes, we profess Jesus Christ is Lord, and we pro profess that he died for our sins honestly not knowing or considering what that means, particularly in our 21st century context. As Christians, we need to realize that we embrace the ultimate scapegoat story. That Jesus, an innocent man, 
was violently murdered because of people's fear and silence and complacency. But in a divine twist, we experience his resurrection. A resounding proclamation of forgiveness. And the ultimate gift that we don't have to fear death. That death doesn't have the final word. Can we see and experience the irony of this story and of our faith? To understand Jesus as a scapegoat for a people that lived and were held captive by their fear? When Jesus was leading a movement to teach us to be the light, to live beyond that fear? As Christians, this should be the last scapegoat story. But it's not. Because daily we are bombarded by all the things that society tells us will make our lives better. From the material to the political, from all the stuff we need to all the people that we don't. We must be careful to not be the hypocrisy of our Christian story. For if we only blindly profess, it keeps Jesus as the scapegoat. We have to see the irony. We have to understand the irony. And then we have to move to live a different way. To live into the fearlessness Jesus calls us to. To love with courageous compassion. To turn away from all the temporal trappings and temptations of this mortal world. To embrace the qualities of human relationships that engender trust and sacredness and precious regard for the least of these. If not, then we must still ask the question, what kind of king are you following? I invite us to join our voices in a common recommitment of ourselves to following in the ways of Christ, lived out to the best of our abilities at 7th Street Christian Church. Let us stand and sing our hymn of commitment for the fruit of all creation found on page 714.
please be seated. Please open in your hymnal to page 772. We're going to do the uh, prayers of the people that we've done before, but it says everything that I would have liked, wanted to say in a written prayer. And there will be some reading from the right side, and this is the left side. So we really want to hear you, okay? The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Be mindful, O God, of all your, of us, your people who are present together here in this place, and of those who are absent through age, frailty, or sickness. Journey with all travelers, help the bereaved, release the addicted, heal the sick. There are surely some whom we have forgotten, but you, Lord, will surely remember them. For you are the helper of the helpless, the savior of the lost, the refuge for the wanderer, and the healer of the sick. Since you know each one's need and hear every prayer, we commend each one of you merciful grace and your everlasting love. Grant us that together, we may praise your great name now and forever. Amen. Christ, our servant, sets forth a just and compassionate world in which the needs of the vulnerable and the powerful hang in the righteous balance. Let us share what we have as we work for, toward Christ's reign here on earth.
Righteous ruler, accept all that we have offered to you. May these gifts we gather participate in your realm of truth. Amen. You may be seated. I feel like I have to sneeze. <laughs> Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of, of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. At this table, we are all hungry, and Jesus gives us. We are thirsty, and Jesus gives us drink. At this table, we are no longer strangers. We are fed, nourished, and welcomed. Let us partake. And then go and do likewise. Let us join our voices in our communion hymn, Praise to God, Immortal Praise. It is printed in the insert in your bulletin. As we gather around this table, we remember the story that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, this bread is like my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and gave it to them and said, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins, poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. 
Yeah, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together around this open table to remember the great sacrifice Jesus made for us. We ask for your forgiveness for our sins and shortcomings. Guide us to live more Christ-like lives in the coming week. As we eat this bread that represents the broken body of Christ, may we be joined together in one accord with you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, you speak to us everywhere, in nature, skies, seas, and stars. You let the light into our hearts to embrace the gifts you have given to us. It, ama it is amazing how we can touch each person's life without even realizing it by such simple, small gestures every day. The most precious gift is our love for you and your beloved son, our circle of family and friends celebrating with God, <clears throat> is greatly appreciated. The fact that we look forward to precious time together at each gathering excites us, and I cannot ever thank you enough. With this most delightful cup, let us all welcome your presence in our lives and keep touching each other with every opportunity that you provide us. Just as your son learned how to do, in your name, let us carry out your work. Amen.
pray. True True faith cannot lie dormant. It clothes the naked. It feeds the hungry. It comforts the sorrowful. It shelters the destitute. It serves those that harm it. It binds up that which is wounded. It has become all things to all people. We are equipped for this work in the world, to walk in the ways of Jesus as he taught us, through his life and through his prayer, as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us join our voices in our closing hymn, Lord, you give the great commission. We will stand and sing verses 1, 2, and 4.
benediction. As you enter your own domain today, remember Christ's reign of justice and compassion, setting it before you as, a, as an example now and always. Go now to love and serve your Lord. Amen.